super excited to be interviewing you. Um, when we first, I don't know what it was, we were doing icebreakers or something, um, training with Penny Mac. I was like, wow, this guy has done so much. And um, I was just super impressed with everything. So tell me, that, okay. <laughs> you don't remember that? Well, I've learned it about you somehow, right? It must have been through yeah. whatever trainings and whatever we're doing over Zoom uh, way yeah. back then. So um, go ahead and give our audience some of your background and okay. where you would say it was that you started in real estate investing. Yeah, so my name is Kevin Kwiatek. Um, so I am from Orland Park. Uh, it's a suburb, south suburb of Chicago, uh, born and raised in that area. And I ended up leaving. I joined the Navy in 2016. Uh, that's kind of what, while I was kind of training, that was right around the same time I was getting into real estate, starting the education, reading books, listening to podcasts, things like that. Um, and yeah, I remember, so my fiance at the time, who's now my wife, uh, we were living together. And so when, when, I, when I joined the Navy, uh, I s left Chicago, moved to Florida. Uh, I went, I was in flight school, uh, went to Pensacola, Florida. I was stationed there for about six months. And then after that, uh, I was sent to Corpus Christi uh, for primary flight training. And I spent about a year there. <clears throat> and then while we were there, um, I got selected for helicopter training and advanced flight training. Uh, and my wife did as well. So we were looking to come back to Pensacola. So we were looking at places to live. Um, and at the time I was getting into real estate investing. I'm like, I, I want to start buying houses instead of, instead of renting. So she, at first, it took a long time to convince her that I wanted to, to do this. It was pretty funny. Like I had to like wear her down. It took months and she always laughs at that. So what are um, your key tactics to wearing down your wife and when you're when you're bringing the same thing up every day just being like hey <laughs> you know we could do this like this is a thing this happens i'd show her numbers i would have like this little like this little <laughs> um uh whiteboard and i'd be like doing math equations and be like look at this math like look at how it can look at how this can transform our lives and realist and and like retirement and every day she'd be like, I don't know. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to try again tomorrow. And so then the next day I would do it again. And again, like literally just be like, no, no, yeah, no. Okay. I'll try again tomorrow. And then after a few months, it's finally started to like dawn on her. Like, Hey, this is, this is a thing. People do this. I remember, I remember uh, telling her like, Hey, you know, by the time we're 60 in retirement, we can have like 10 houses that could pay for our retirement. And she like balked at it. She was like, 10 houses, 10, like 10, like that's crazy. And I'm like, no, it's not. And the funny thing is we ended up buying four units in one year, our first four units in one year. Um, uh, so, so go going back to kind of my, my origin story, I started talking to her about, we need to start real estate investing, but first we need to get a house instead of renting, we need to buy. So I had instructors at flight school that kept telling me, oh man, because there's, there's a city in, uh, in Pace, which is north of Pensacola, right outside the military base, uh, NAS Milton. And I had instructors just say, oh man, I wish I bought in Pace. I wish I bought in Pace. I wish I bought in Pace. And I am someone that listens. I listen and I learn and I apply. So a year later, when I was getting ready to buy, I told my wife, um, fiance at the time, I'm like, we're buying in Pace. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, we're buying in Pace. It's a great area. Uh, one of the, one of the best things about the area is that that high school is like a really good high school. 
so when officers go there, they have families, they want to get into their kids into that school district because that's the school district they want to be in. The surrounding school districts are okay, but everybody just kept saying, I, I wish I bought in pace. So I'm like, we're buying in, in pace. So we actually bought our first house. Um, I bought it in my name because we weren't even married at the time. Um, I bought it sight unseen. I called the realtor. I said, hey, uh, we're moving in you know, 40 days or whatever it was. I need a house. I cannot come there to see it. Can you do FaceTime, uh, you know, Zoom something to, to kind of give us, a, you know, the tour so we can buy it. And it uh, ended up being an awesome buy. We love the house. I mean, we, we miss the house to this day. Like, we just love that house. It was a good house, huge yard. We ended up, we ended up spending over three grand uh, just to fence it in because it was such a big, nice yard. Um, mm. But so that was, that was the first, first uh, a house that I bought um that's kind of the origin story did you have any other questions or you just want me to go into all right. ideas? and so that that first one um was did you use a va loan on that yes yes um yeah so i used the va loan i was active duty at the time so i was eligible for the va loan um so yeah i put zero down um it was actually what made it an awesome deal to was that it was a new build but it was like seven years old Mm -hmm. So what happened was that was the model home that the builders had built and used as the model while they're finishing the rest of the, their subdivisions off. So, you know, six, seven years later, they, it was still, nobody had ever lived in it. It was seven years old, but nobody had any ever lived in it. So we got a really good deal because they're like, Hey, this is basically a new build. There's a little bit of wear and tear over the, over the years, but nothing else. So we're going to basically, we're trying to sell it. So we're giving you, we're not, you know, they, they didn't charge us new build prices, but what was yeah. nice is that they were including all the warranties. So we had a one-year builder's warranty. We had like a 10-year warranty on like a lot of the other stuff, um, which was fantastic. So we had, it was the pros of buying used, and then it was the pros of buying new construction. Um, so, and it, it also just made it easier for us to make that decision to buy sight unseen also. Uh -huh. Um, so that was, uh, so that was awesome because it was a new, because it was a, a deal with the builder, they actually covered like almost all of our closing costs. Um, they, if we had gone with, a, I mean, typical, typical builder stuff, right. If we had gone with their, um, uh, uh preferred lender, then, they cover, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. So I think I ended up only having to pay like three grand in closing costs to mm -hmm. get this house zero yeah. down. So leverage hundred percent zero down and like three grand. Um, we lived in it for a year and then we start right off the bat. We started making, um, it wasn't, it didn't cash flow a lot in the beginning. Um, I think our, our mortgage was somewhere around a thousand, and then the first rent was about thirteen fifty. So putting money aside for taxes, vacancies, capex stuff like that, we didn't really have a lot of cash flow. But it was we had a tenant in there that was paying down the mortgage. Uh, the rent was covering mortgage and then some. Um, and then we refinanced it. We basically with uh, we refinanced it, lowered the interest rate. On top of that, we changed the insurance on it to just the landlord policy. So that our our uh, our mortgage payment went down because of the refinance and because we changed insurances and then the rent has slowly been eking up right now it's 1525 
And so you still mortgage. have that one. Yeah, I still have it. Hmm. And the mortgage is like $883 and the rent's $1525. Wow. So and okay, so just to like clarify some things, you lived in that house for one year using your VA loan. And yep. then when you refi, did you keep the VA loan or did you have to refi like a conventional or something because it was an investment or no, like, what so, was the time sequencing for that? Yeah. So this is so I I, I didn't refinance until maybe two two or three days two or three years later about two years later um but that's one of the amazing things about the va loan is that let's say if you have a conventional loan uh and let's say you you bought it as a primary residence you get the best terms right if you want to refinance it later on and you cannot prove that it's a primary residence anymore because now it's an investment property then you have to refinance it as an investment property that's not how it is with va loans uh, with a VA loan, it does not matter whether it's a second home, it's an investment home, or you live in it. And if you're refinancing it, it still qualifies for the for a VA Earl interest rate reduction refinance loan IRRL. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, but what's fantastic about that is you still get the best terms. You get all the same terms, so it doesn't matter. It's the only loan that I know. Of. Well, it's yeah. I mean, it's the only residential loan that. The terms just it, it doesn't matter whether you live there or not. Every every other loan product changes. So yeah. So for a VA, when you're purchasing, you need to like you need to live there as your primary residence. You need to yeah. live in there for a year, but then you can refinance down the road and do the so, Earl. So so actually, I reached out. So I I was a I was in re, I was a realtor for two years after I got out of active duty, uh, and then after that, I got into. Uh, got into mortgages where we we met each other at penny mac mm -hmm. and you know i've been doing that for you know almost two years now um so i actually reached out to the va about that because everybody kept telling me oh you have to live in it for a year you have to live in it for a year and i had as an investor i had friends that were investors and i also had people coming to me asking me the same questions the va got back to me i said hey where is it in writing i want to see in writing where are your rules for occupancy. Where are your rules that say it's one year? And they got back to me and they didn't, I mean, it wasn't very, they, there's just like no pleasantries whatsoever. It was just like the most boring little, I'm just like, come on, like customer service, come on VA, come on, you could do better than that. Um, I got just this little email that said, the only VA occupancy rule that we have is that you have to move into the property within 60 days. So if you're deployed or if you're you're moving somewhere whatever it doesn't matter you can buy the house as long as you move in within 60 days that mm -hmm. is the only occupancy rule that they have so i mean unless that's that's changed and i don't think it has there is no rule that says that you need to live there for 12 months but if you go look at your closing paperwork it'll say in there you have to live there for 12 months right but that's not va paperwork that's always the lender paperwork so basically what it seems like is it's always the lenders that are saying, hey, you need to live here for at least 12 months because they want you to live there for 12 months. Because Yeah, they it's don't... better for their investment, exactly. like investors, if it's a primary residence. Exactly. Okay. But when I reached out to the VA, that was the answer I got because I specifically cited the 12, the 12 month. I said, hey, I, at the time I was a realtor, this was years ago. And I'm like, I'm a realtor. I keep having people ask me this question. I'm a veteran myself. What are the rules here? And they said, the only occupancy rule that we have is you have to move in within 60 days. So that 12 month thing is a lender thing, but somehow that's become this rumor, this like urban myth. Um, like I said, I could be wrong. I mean, somebody could find some, something somewhere or they could have changed it since I asked, which 
this would have been this would have been like 2019 um, mm -hmm. when I when I reached out and I got that answer. But that's what they told me. And I'm like, man, this is everybody keeps saying, oh, it'll be a, you have to live there for 12 months. You have to live there for 12 months. On top of that, you should you don't want to commit mortgage fraud. I would never tell anybody to commit mortgage fraud. And if you buy a property that you do not intend to live in and you say that you're going to, but you don't and nobody comes and checks on you, that's mortgage fraud. Do not do that. Please do not do that. That is um, a no, no. Don't yeah, that's a no, no. Don't do that. Like, and the reason is because the VA, VA loan, I mean, there's a reason why veterans and active duty get it, right? I mean, any veteran knows that life can be pretty difficult, active duty, whether you're deployed or even training, right? It's just, it's a different world. Uh, also, this is the biggest thing that I, that I get from it. Let's say you buy a place. Let's say years ago for, for the last 10 years, it was always cheaper to buy than rent, right? Because the rates were amazing. So, so you have a, let's say you have a family, you, you'll say you have a family of five, right? And, and one of the parents is a service member or both are service members. Um, they want to buy a house. Well, it's going to be cheaper for them. They're going to be able to save money. They're going to be able to pay, you know, pay down their principal. This is going to be an investment for them. Even if they never put a tenant in there, that's going to, they're going to be able to save equity. Hopefully you're, you, you have, you're in a market that's going up, right? So hopefully you're going to make a little bit, a little bit of money on that. Let's say after three years, that service member is now being transitioned. What if the market didn't go up? What if the market went down? Now, all of a sudden you have service members that are stressing out because they're, they might lose thousands of dollars because their investment at the time that they bought their property, their investment's going down. But should they be forced to sell that home? No, they shouldn't be. And I believe, I don't know why the VA allows, you know, allows investments. I believe that's why. I believe because if you've already had this home, no one can force you to sell your home, especially if it's a, a down economy, because now what you're doing is you're creating a product that is just going to burden service members. So at the time, at the time that I bought my first property, I would have lost money because once you buy and now you want to sell, the typical realtor commission is 6%. It's negotiable. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. It's negotiable. It is not standard. If they use the word standard, they're wrong. You need to run. It's typical that it's 6%. Okay. Now you need to add another two to 3% on closing costs as, as a seller. You're looking at eight, eight, 9% of your investment. If I had bought, especially if you, if you're VA and now you don't put anything down, you leverage yourself hundred percent, even if you leverage 95 or 90%. And now all of a sudden you try to turn around and sell a year later, you might not have enough money. You literally may not be able to sell your home because the closing costs are so high that there's no equity. You would actually lose money. And that's why I believe that, that, that it is structured the way it is. Because people always say, well, that's not fair. How, why can you use a VA loan for an investment property? You can't. You can eventually convert that property to an investment property, but you cannot buy it as a primary residence. And that's where things get kind of sticky with fraud. Um, mm -hmm. But that, I mean, and it's absolutely, you know, it, it's fair because it would just increase burden like crazy. So you move yeah. out. I had to move because of training. Um, so I moved after a year. And, uh, and I've had it ever since I am looking into selling it in the next, you know, probably 12 months. Uh, and I want to upgrade into other stuff, but, but yeah. Yeah. Tell all of your, uh, all of your Navy captains that were saying they wish they would have bought in that area. Just tell them first <laughs> pocket listing. <laughs> oh yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Pocket listing. 
Yeah, yeah, I could, yeah, I could, I could, uh, I, I don't know how I would do that, but how to reach out to them and figure out. Uh -huh. yeah, well, LinkedIn, like, just say, hey, it's Lil Latte here. Yeah, seriously. Well, <laughs> seriously. Just you my house. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's leased right now. So if I, I would love to sell it before the lease expires. Um, but the only people that would do that would be investors. So obviously there's a narrow, narrower gap there, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so tell us what are all of your investment properties? Like, do you have a strategy that you're talking to your wife about how to acquire them? Like, is this all VA entitlement that you're using to get all of your properties? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a few different things. So I have four units right now. Um, I, I got all four of those units within one year. So I've been slacking because I haven't done a lot in the last three years, um, but they've been growing in equity and everything like that. So even, even though I'm not, um, you know, selling them, upgrading, whatever, they're, they're just, they're doing great for us. Um, so the first property was the one I told you about. Uh, the second pro property we bought, my wife actually bought with her name because we're, uh, we were dual military. We were both active duty at the time. We went to OCS together, uh, Navy OCS officer candidate school, people who are not, uh, don't understand what that is. It's basically like boot camp um, for officers. So we met there. Uh, she's actually still active duty. She's got about four years left. Um, mm -hmm. So the first house we bought, I bought in my name. We weren't even married yet. The second house we bought, it was in her name. We're both on the house, but it's like in her name using her entitlement, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and we just rented that one out in December. Uh, so that one's been rented for about seven months now. That one, our mortgage is uh, about thirteen twenty. And there's like a $85 HOA fee on it. So it's about a little over 1400 and the rent on it is 2200. So that one, that one's a pretty good one. We're making a few hundred bucks cash flow on that one. It's in a really good area in Jacksonville, technically Neptune beach. Uh, it's like a mile, mile and a half away from the water. Um, so that one is a really good, uh, really good one. We're, we're looking into selling that one though too, because basically so those are the two single families we have right around the same time we bought that property. Um, we lived in that one for three and a half years and we moved out. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's why it's one of the reasons why we moved out because we just wanted to move out and rent and then just start collecting, you know, make that one an investment. And then right around the same time we bought that one, we bought a duplex in Chicago on the South side. That one was not with VA. That one was just a regular conventional uh, conventional investment loan, and we put 25% down, and we actually bought a turnkey. We reached out to a turnkey company, and they had it. They had the listing, and they had done some work to it. They hadn't done all the work, um, honestly, that we had expected them to do, um, but it was, you know, everything was, everything was, was good. Um, mm -hmm. So we bought that one. When we bought that one, the rent was $2,250 um, for both units. Uh, and our mortgage was around 1200. We refinanced that one about a year and a half later and brought the, the rate down. I think now it's like 3.25, something like that. So it's, it's really yeah. good, especially for a conventional, uh, investment loan. Investment, yeah. And, uh, we, we have since refinanced now the, we refinanced, but then the taxes and, and insurance went up. So our payment right now is actually like 1155 a month, but rent went up once since we bought it. 
and now rent is 2600 so that one gives us the most cash flow we mm -hmm. since it's a multifamily uh multifamily property we pay for all the utilities we pay, we pay the water we pay the electric we pay the landscaping um and then obviously there's, there's property management so uh the the amount of cash flow every month fluctuates because you know the 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 landscaping is $80 every month. The water is actually like $200 every quarter uh, for both units. And then the electricity is like $15 a month. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I still don't actually understand why the electricity is so cheap uh, for that property. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, if something happens, if there's a, if there's a maintenance issue, they got to call a handyman or something or, or like last year I had to pay like a thousand dollars because there's just like a lot of tree branches that were growing into power lines in the city of Chicago um so I had to you know pay somebody to, to take care of that mm -hmm. if something you know something like things like that just happen but for the most part we probably make around four, three to four hundred dollars a door on that one um, mm -hmm. so that one's that one's pretty pretty awesome so we those are the four units that we have right now very cool um so what are some uh, like of the biggest learning lessons that you've learned through the real estate investing? Yeah, so um, I've learned a lot, like I've learned a lot of like handyman skills. Um, my <laughs> Our most recent unit uh, is a townhouse, the one in Neptune Beach, and we lived there for three, three and a half to shy of four years. So we, um, you know, we did a lot to that while we were we probably put around 50 grand into that over the three years uh we you know we did a lot of the stuff on our own some of the stuff we contracted out like we did a full gut rehab of the master bathroom right before we moved out um actually they were they were working on it after we moved out and we were waiting on them so that we could uh so that we could rent it out um but that you know they tore everything down to the studs and just did everything that was just too big of a of a project for me and I wanted it to look good for tenants right I wanted it to look good as an investment but um I, we did a lot of work in the downstairs uh, like powder room like I built like a really really basic vanity it was like a butcher block vanity that I built um you know I I switched out water heaters on my own through YouTube University, uh, I figured out how to, do, how to do plumbing. YouTube University, um, I switched out. You know, see all the ceiling fans in the house because for some reason there were five ceiling fans in that house, and there were four different kinds of ceiling fans out of the five. Explain that one to me. So my wife obviously walks in, sees that, and she's like, you know, having she's just like having problems with it. Um, so we went and bought five ceiling fans that all matched. So that was fantastic. Um, you know, there was, a, I built a little fence out back to kind of conceal the AC compressor. Um, what else? We, we, we redid all the carpets. We did, we repainted everything. I mean, we did, we did a lot of work to that. So even if you hire out, okay, even if you contract and you, and you, you hire contractors to do stuff, you still learn a lot because they're going to tell you, because in order to make decisions, they they need to kind of educate you a little bit on stuff right do you want this or do you want this do you want this you, you know how do you want to do this and this is why we, we would recommend this and then when you're doing it yourself i mean that's when you learn the most right like i spent an entire saturday trying to figure out how to how to fix the plumbing in my uh, kitchen sink and then i also installed the sink and i was like this is this is uh <clears throat> this is legit yeah this is uh this is this is good 
And my wife would be like, you did such a great job. And I'm like, thanks, thanks, appreciate it. Um, so, that, I mean, that's one of them, right? Just like handyman stuff right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Project managers, I have project managers for all of my, all of my properties. Uh, it's, it's amazing that no project manager, no two project managers are the same. It's like, I'll have one project manager that's like, that will do things. And then the other one will be like, oh, we don't really do that. And, and I'll ask them, I'll be like, well, can you do this? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, paying you, paying you every month. Can you do this one little thing? Cause I have project managers that do it. And actually every time I've asked for something, I mean, I've, I'm, I believe I'm always reasonable, but they're like, okay, fine. We can do that. Like, for example, uh, my property in Pace, there's a, there's a, um, HOA fee, but it's an annual HOA fee of like $125. It's, it's not a lot, yeah. but it's just paid out once annually. And I remember I got a letter in the mail because we, we moved so often the last six years. Uh, I got a letter in the mail that got lost somewhere and eventually found it, found me. And it was like, Hey, you know, you haven't paid your HOA fee in like six months. And I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. I thought that my property manager was taking care of this. Well, she was not taking care of it and she was not under that under the impression she was going to take care of it. And I said, Hey, like, this is just once a month. Like the whole point of having property management is I, I want to be able to step away and not have to deal with this kind of stuff. Would you mind making that payment every year? And she was just like, okay, fine, we can do that. So she got in touch with the people she needed to, do, to get in touch with. She makes the payment. Then she takes that out of the rent when, when it's time to, to get that done. Yeah. So, you know, just stuff like that. Um, you definitely have to manage property managers. There's some managers that are better than others. You know, if you're a property manager and you're, and you're listening to me say this, you know, please don't be angry with me. If you're one of the good ones, that's awesome. Like send me your information. I might, because honestly, the, you know, I've had good experiences. I've had bad experiences. If you tell me and, and with reviews and, and testimonials that you are the, the greatest property manager in the United States, I might look at property at like deals in that area, just so I know I can have a good property manager. I'm serious. That's what I would do. If I knew there was a rock star property manager in Kansas city, I'd be like, I'm, I might look in Kansas city and see what the deals are <laughs> because I could find six, seven different deals in, in seven different cities. But if it, I would love to get a manager that I could duplex. Um, it was a good deal on paper. After the fact, I ran my own numbers and I was like, this actually is not a good, as good of a deal. They were saying it, cash on cash, it was going to be 14 to 15%. And it ended up being like 10%. And it was because they inflated the insurance and they inflated the taxes a little bit. Mm. Um, and I just, I was new. I mean, I was a noob and I, I was just like, okay, this all looks great. But if I had done my own homework and if I had reached out to an insurance carrier and said, hey, for this property, what would you quote me? If I had done those things, and I think they underreported or under on their on their prospectus, I think they they said, oh, like um, like different maintenance stuff. They're like, oh, typical maintenance is this much, and then stuff comes up a little more than that. So it's like, hey, if you if you own or, or if you're managing a, a turnkey property, like you don't need to you don't need to like oversell like that and underreport. Like that's just not cool. Um, and I'll never go with that company again. I don't even know if they're they're still around. I haven't heard anything about that company. But that's one of the things, you know. So check mm -hmm. check your own numbers. Don't especially when you're new. It's it's easy to get into this rut um, of hey, you're a professional, so I can trust you, right? 
No, I've been a realtor and I've worked with a lot of bad realtors. I've been a loan officer and I've worked with bad loan officers and I've worked with people who have worked with bad loan officers. You know, I remember one time I was talking to a veteran and they're like, oh, I have an FHA loan. I'm like, why do you have an FHA loan? And he's just like, oh, well, my loan officer like four years ago said that that was the best way to go. And I'm like, you bought a house with, F, with an FHA loan four years ago, but you were entitled to a VA loan? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. And he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's just how I did it. I'm like, you're paying for property, you're paying for mortgage, private mortgage insurance, and you shouldn't be. Because if you had a VA loan, not only would you get possibly a better rate, most likely a similar rates, but you wouldn't be wasting money on mortgage insurance. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like, I have an article just on that, on like, if you can get out of you know, mortgage insurance, it doesn't benefit you. Because a lot of people, and I know you know this from when we were working at yeah. Mac, people would be like, <laughs> talking about more uh, private mortgage insurance and they're like, oh, but that protects the property, right? And I'm like, no, no, no. Homeowners insurance and hazard insurance are the same thing. And a private mortgage insurance only benefits the lender. It does not benefit you at all. It is mm -hmm. a waste of money to the borrower, but it's a necessary evil to get a product like, like FHA loan. And FHA loan is a great product for, uh, for home buying. But if you have access to a VA loan, the VA loan is better because it, mm -hmm. it just improves on the benefits that the FHA loan can offer. So and I that's just regardless of whether the veteran is exempt or not, because with the yes. purchase, it's yes. a 3.6% VA funding fee. Um, 2.3 and then every subsequent uh, is 3.6. Okay, got it. Yep. Um, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, but in this case, I asked all the right questions and I found out that this guy would not, uh, this guy would have um, I think he would have been exempt. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember at the time, cause this, this was like a year, year and a half ago. And I remember asking all those questions and I'm like, I still can't see why somebody would have sold you in your situation. Cause that's the thing. You're exactly right. Mm -hmm. Um, you're exactly right because every single person is different. Every there's, there's no bad product. There's products that might be more beneficial in some ways and, and others in, in other ways, but everybody's different. You know, someone might want to get an FHA loan, but can't get an FHA loan. A lot of people want to get a conventional, but they can't. So what can you get, right? That's, that's the whole job as a loan officer is trying to figure out the best fit. But I just remember asking the right questions and I was like, you should have gotten a VA loan. Um, and, and I know uh, we talked about, uh, I, I know we talked about this uh, recently that, um, you know, what's the pros and cons of the VA loan, right? Mm -hmm. Pros and cons, like the only way it's a con is if you're doing a refinance, because if you're doing a refinance and you're not exempt of the funding fee, the funding fee could be 3.6%. Um, it's like a cash out, right? So the Earl, the VA Earl, the streamlined one, mm -hmm. it's just a half a percent funding fee. If if it's a refinance, it's a cash out, then it's a 3.6% funding fee. They're required gotta, to get the appraisal. They're required that. to get the home inspections. I think it's even less for a purchase. I think it's half of, yeah. Okay. I got to check that. I haven't, uh -huh. I haven't worked with VA loans in a while. There's so many loan products. We're supposed to just yeah, have I haven't worked with them. So the, the con would be if you have to pay the funding fee, if you're not exempt, um, for people who don't understand, the exemption is if when you get separated from the military, if you have at least 10% disability, rating from the VA, you're exempt of the funding fee. Uh, if you have less than, or, and then if you're exempt, then you don't have to pay for the funding fee, whatever it is, half percent, 2.3 or 3.6. But mm -hmm. if you're, if you're refinancing a, you know, $300,000 house and you got to pay 3.6% of that, 
Uh, if you want to do like a cash out, I mean, that could be, you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars depending on, on the price of your home. So I, I, I've sold, I, I, I've done mortgages for people that were veterans and they loved the VA loan, but it would have just cost way too much because typically um, for, typically for origination fees, they'll be like a flat $1,000, you know, flat $1,000 versus the funding fee of like $10,000. And when you have a VA loan, once you've already gone through the purchase, you don't need to worry about the down payment, right? So you, it doesn't matter about that. You already have the home. You also don't need to worry about uh, mortgage insurance. You don't need to worry about your loan to value limit because you, it doesn't matter what your LTV is for a VA loan. Um, you know, you don't have mortgage insurance, but if you're refinancing, as long as you have at least, you know, 80% or less loan to value, then you're gonna, then you don't have to pay mortgage insurance anyway. So those are some of the biggest benefits of the VA loan. So that's why if you're under that 80%, you don't need to worry about a down payment because it's a refinance, then you mainly wanna look at how much it's gonna cost me. And those funding fees can get kind of crazy. So that's like the only way that, um, you know, conventional loan will be our VA loan. Uh, but in every other way, the VA loan is just, a, it's a great product, especially the, uh, the refinance loan, the, the mm -hmm. rural. Um, I did, I was curious, you said that you purchased one property using your VA benefits, one with your wife's VA benefits, and then the duplex was a conventional loan. Is there, have you since purchased a property using your same VA benefits, either you or your wife? I have not, but that's something I get asked all the time. I was like just talking to a buddy of mine who's still active. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to him yesterday. And he's, uh, he's actually going back to uh, Pensacola. And so he called me up and we had a nice little chat and uh, he wants to buy. So he was, he was like, Hey, so, you know, I, I gotta, I'm going to have to refinance this house if I want to hold on to it. Um, so I can use my VA loan over there. Right. And I said, no, that's a big misconception. I don't know who's spreading that lie. The way that works is there's a certain amount of entitlement that everybody gets. This changed. Uh, I want to say January of 2020, I believe they changed the rules that say, so it used to be, there's a certain amount of entitlement that you can get. Entitlement is basically a limit. Um, and right now I just checked yesterday or two days ago and it's like 647,000. You have up to that much entitlement to use on a property. If you go above that, that, that basically is what the VA is willing to cover and you don't have to bring anything to the table is, is basically the simple way to break that down. Once you go, let's say you want to buy a, uh, an $800,000 house. So you max out the 647,000. It's like 200 in, in uh, entitlement, right? What you do is whatever's left, you would have to, you would have to bring 20, 25% of that to the table because the way it works with the VA loan is the VA guarantees the loan. So what that means is that if you default on that loan as a VA borrower, the VA is going to pay 25% of it. So basically takes the place of a down payment because banks will say, I want you to put 20% down. If it's an investment loan, I want you to put 25% down because studies show that that is like the limit that will not limit. That's like the threshold, right? Of defaults that if, if someone has at least 20% uh, equity in their property, then it, the, the amount of defaults go down a lot. Why? Because people see their net worth tied up in this home. So they're going to do everything they can to, to, to make their payment, to pay their mortgage so that they don't, they don't lose that, that equity, that net worth. 
That's why it's 20%. If they had done studies and it said 40%, banks would probably say, you got to put 40% down or 10% or whatever. Um, so that's how that works. So with a VA loan, it guarantees it, which means even if you default as a VA borrower, the VA is still going to give you 25%, which is why when you go above that entitlement, they're like, hey, we're only going to cover 25% up until this amount. So let's say you have $800,000, like we initially talked about, whatever the difference is between 647 and change and 800,000, you take that difference and then divide that, uh, divide it by, uh, by four, and that would come up with 25%. That's what you'd have to bring to the table to buy that property. Okay. So that's a really, you know, that's a rough, you know, understanding of entitlement. Okay. So right now it's 647 years ago, it was 548. Uh, and it's been going up every year, obviously with inflation. So my first property I, I paid 175 for. Mm -hmm. um, so that, so I used 175 of my entitlement. So what I would do is if I wanted to get another VA loan on my name, I would subtract whatever I owe on the property now, whatever I still owe, not what I bought it for, whatever I still owe. Subtract that from my entitlement limit, which is 647 in most places. I think it's, it's different in New York and San Francisco and Hawaii and everything like that because homes are more expensive. So they go up, but for the most part, the United States entitlement limit is 647 right now. Um, so that's how much I have to work with where I can buy a property and I don't have to put anything down. Um, so, and because my wife was the one that she was the, she was the primary on the other house she's using, we bought that property for 240. So we, we tied up that much of her entitlement and, you know, 175 of my entitlement. But we both have up to, because we're, we're doing dual military, we're both, she's still active on the veteran. We both get that amount of entitlement. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, it just, it just means we get a little more benefit. Yeah. So you can buy multiple properties as long as you're either staying below that entitlement amount um, or paying the 25% on the difference if you go above it. Correct. Yeah. And also mm -hmm. if you can afford it. Because obviously, I mean, and, yeah. and some people are like, oh, cool. So I can get a $650,000 house. It's like, well, I mean, they're still going to look at your DTI, your debt to income ratio. And if your debt to income ratio doesn't justify you having three houses, then you can have three houses. But you can if your income justifies it and you have the entitlement or if you go above the entitlement limit and you're willing to, you know, do that down payment, then yes, you can, you can do that. Awesome. And would you consider like real estate to be your favorite type of investment? Yes, I think it's, I think it's the best, um, best investment. I, I, I dabble in everything. Okay. I mean, I'm in stocks, I'm in crypto. Um, I do, you know, I like REITs, uh, for, for real estate. I mean, I, do, I, I like everything. Uh, I have some silver even <laughs> not crazy on that one though. Some people go a little bit over the, over the edge, I think, but I, um, I, real estate's my favorite for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I think it's got the best returns uh, for the most part. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there's apparently art, apparently fine art is like an amazing investment, but I've read that you have to have like a million dollars or $10 million or more in art in order for it to have like the crazy gains that it has. So for the average person, I'm just going to change it up a little bit. For the average person, I think real estate's the best um, wealth building tool because there's four ways to make money in real estate. There's cash flow, which everybody knows about, right? Your mortgage is $1,000, your rent is, you know, 1,500, you know, 
I would always tell people you need to put money aside for vacancy, CapEx, and taxes. Um, but if you don't want to, then I guess $500 is your cash flow, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Above and beyond any maintenance, if there's any maintenance and, and things like that. But you should always put money aside, obviously. So it's my favorite because number one is cash flow. That's what you can live off of. Number two, equity pay down um, or uh, principal pay down, sorry. Principal pay down to build up your equity. Your tenant's paying the mortgage. Whatever your principal payment is on that mortgage, if it's 500 bucks, you're making 500 bucks in net worth. It's not realized yet because you haven't sold the property, but you're, 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 you're building your wealth slowly because your equity's going down. Um, your equity's going up by your principal going down. So that's, that's the second way to make money in real estate. Third way to make money in real estate is appreciation. Appreciation on average, I believe it's, I mean, in most areas in the United States, I think the average is five, 6% appreciation a year. Obviously that differs year to year, but I think long-term the average is about five, 6%. Um, I, it, my townhouse here, the, the, the city that I have my townhouse in, in, in uh, Neptune beach, uh, I get like the, I get the, I think, I don't, I can't remember if it's Zillow or I get reports every like couple months. And apparently the, the average home in Neptune Beach has seen like 11% appreciation just in the last year. Mm -hmm. uh, but typical is like five to six, right? So that's like double what the average, the typical is. Um, and then on top of that, the fourth thing you can make money on, which a lot of people forget, they only think about the three, but you got to think about the fourth one is that owning real estate is there's a lot of tax advantages to owning real estate. So I can write off my insurance. I can write off um, I can write off my insurance. I can write off my taxes. I can write off any expenses and every expense that I pay for, like, especially my duplex. Yeah. I pay more. I pay a lot of the, um, I pay a lot of the, uh, you know, I pay the water and the electric, the utilities, but I get to write all of that off. I get to the property manager. I get to write the property manager off. Also there's, mm -hmm. there's a depreciation that I get to write off for that property. Right. So when, when, when you add all that up, you can save thousands of dollars off your tax burden because of that. So if you're saving money, you're keeping more of your money, right? So that's the fourth way to make money. So there's so many different ways to make money. Also, right now we're dealing with a crazy market, stock market, um, every market. I mean, every market is crazy right now. Even real estate as, as home values are starting to fluctuate a lot, but I have a lease on all of my properties which means I know how much rent I'm gonna get every month. Now that lease might change when it's up, but right now I know where it's at. So it's mm -hmm. a much slower moving market than the stock market, which can crash or crypto. I mean, crypto is just outrageous. I'm like so down on crypto, but I don't care because I know it's gonna rebound and I'm not living off of that yet. You know, for retirees, I'd be worried. I'm not a retiree, so I'm not really worried. Um, so yeah, just, it's slower moving. It's a little easier to kind of, to kind of gauge, um, and, uh, and just all the ways, all the ways you can make money just easily mm -hmm. make it my favorite. So I, I invest in a lot of stuff, but my foundation of my investment, my investing portfolio will always be real estate. Nice. And you said you're moving away from mortgages. So I'm wondering what does your real estate future look like? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the great thing about real estate is like, I got into real estate after I got out of the military um, as a way to make a little money. I got into selling real estate while I was finishing a, a, my grad degree. It was a great way to have a very flexible job while I was making money and going to school full time 
but also it was a great way to educate myself. I learned a lot and networked a lot. Um, I, I met a lot of good people. I met my project, you know, pro, uh, property managers. I met uh, other realtors. I, I met other investors. So the biggest reason why I got into it was for the education. Two years later, I was finishing my grad degree, uh, my MBA, and I was talking to a lot of loan officers uh, that I was working with. And I'd get into conversations with them on the phone and long conversations where they would be explaining their job and, you know, hey, you know, I work, I work from home and, and uh, you know, I'm licensed in multiple states so I can sell in all these states and everything like that. And I'm like, man, it's just, you know, I was comparing the life of a loan officer to a realtor. And I was like, that's more my speed. I like that. And it's funny because as a realtor, I feel like a lot of questions that I was getting asked on a daily basis were about mortgages. Uh, that was like, that's like most of the technical stuff that they would ask me is about mortgages. So I'm like, man, this is just a, this is a very natural fit for me to go towards mortgages. And then I went to mortgages and then the market's doing what it's doing now, which is just crazy. Uh, so it's very difficult. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get out of this. Um, I'm, I'm going more IT route, but it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to invest in real estate for the rest of my life. And I'm going to keep mm -hmm. building my network and I'm going to keep building, um, you know, my, just my knowledge base and, and my tool belt. And, you know, one day I'll be financially independent because of it. You know, I'm probably always going to work. I'm always going to do something, uh, but I'm always going to be doing something in real estate for sure. Just because I love it so much. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, thank you so much for your time. I want to ask just one last thing. How can people find you? Like if they want to see what you're up to, what you're doing, what are some ways that they can reach you? Yeah, so I have a website. Uh, it's called pillarandbase.com. So P-I-L-L-A-R and base. Uh, when I was coming up with a name, I was just thinking about like literal foundation of like real estate and homes and thinking about a, a having a strong foundation. And that's so important with financial education uh, in your portfolio. So I just kind of kind of came up with that idea. So pillarandbase.com is a website that I have. It's basically a blog. A lot of questions that I've had over the years as a realtor and a loan officer, I address that in articles. Uh, I'm going to start doing like concurrent event articles uh, and what's going on in real estate as well. And um, uh, I have a website, or sorry, I have an email for that website as well. Uh, just kev, K-E-V at pillarandbase.com. Nice. Okay, so awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Any any last words? <laughs> any last words? Before we go, East West coming at you. <laughs> East Coast coming at you. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be moving to Indiana in a month, but I'm still gonna be on the East Coast. So and you're on the mm -hmm. West Coast. So it's a, it's always fun getting together. <laughs>